the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. A couple minutes after 4, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Thank you for tuning in today. Had a nice day going and still have sunshine for a few hours uh, yet. And high of 86 and clear skies later on tonight, low 67. Some sun tomorrow to start things off, although as the day progresses, looks like clouds move in. May get a shower or two or a thunder shower later in the day tomorrow and tomorrow night. 90 the high. Uh, Phils, 7-1 over Cincinnati yesterday. Long ball was the story. Reese Hoskins, a couple of homers. He has 27 on the year. Bryce Harper hit his 30th. Scott Kingery, number 16. Drew Smiley, who they uh, got, uh, I guess, about a month ago or so, uh, had a nice job in there. And five, uh, five and a third innings, struck out eight. They're at Cincinnati, 640 this evening. 26 games to go, Joe. There are two and a half games behind the Cubs, your Chicago Cubs, for a wild card playoff spot. So, truth be known, are you rooting for the Phils to catch the Cubs? I'm not really a Cubs fan. I I like the Cubs. Why do you like the Cubs? Well, because the, the blue cap really brings out my eyes. No, really. Why do you like the Cubs? <laughs> <laughs> you have that big jersey on the back of your My neighbor gave me a chair. Sammy Sosa. I liked Sammy Sosa until I found out he was on steroids. Okay. And then I have no Allegedly. use. Allegedly. Uh, yeah. yeah. Right. And I have no use for Sammy Sosa. Okay. You know. But you still have the jersey on the back of your chair. Because I didn't want it in my closet. You're a strange man. <laughs> yeah. And so you're not corporate... really a Cubs fan? All the... I thought you were a Cubs I, fan. Uh, I do like the Cubs, uh, just like I like the Boston Red Sox. I, I love them both because they're both old American League teams. Heritage franchise. Yeah. Well, the both... Cubs are national, yeah. of course. You meant that. Yeah. Either. And there was Gabby Hartnett, who played uh, catcher, of course, famous catcher for the Cubbies back That's in true. the 30s, 40s. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm a Cubs fan uh, secondarily because my mom was born in Chicago, so... Oh, so if the Phillies don't make the playoffs and the Cubs get in, right? I mean, my preference is Philly, but well, do you follow the the old baseball rule? If your team doesn't win, then you have to root for the team that represents your division. And if you're if they don't if they don't move along, you have to root for whoever represents your league. I kind of think that way in general, yeah. unless yeah. there's a bigger story that trumps that. Then there yeah, might yeah, yeah. something That's like when the Cubbies hadn't won in sixty years since the uh, what was it a pig? Oh right, yeah, a goat. A goat, yeah, yeah the yeah. goat. The curse been, of the goat. It was a, it was like a hundred <laughs> years, wasn't it? They were they hadn't even uh, been in the World Series in sixty or seventy yeah, years. Yeah, I think it was. And they hadn't won to in Evers to chance where the that was the last infield that went to the World Series for the Cubbies. Well, there you have it. So there's your baseball lesson. To start our fine broadcast I off. Think, I think I'm right. And I have a hunch that you a hunch? took. A, Took. <laughs> that's the pun. Wait to the full effect with the hymn. So you you this weekend also had a chance to go out with Bella. I'm guessing took a, took a walk in the yes, woods. Yes, we did uh, did the woods twice. That's I'm, nice. I'm telling you, you get to the top of those hills and I'm winded. Bella's winded. 
How old's Bella again? She's 10. So, right. you know, seven times That's 10. 70. So she and I are the same age. Wow. Isn't that special? <laughs> That's great. And we both have white around our face now. Yeah. You know, although my beard's gone. And you're both very lovable, right? We are. Yeah. You know, we like being pet. <laughs> both furry. You know? Scratch your neck. Scratch yeah. your back. Oh, <laughs> Bella loves it. Yeah. Well, so there you go. Uh, while you were walking in the woods, I was, I was uh, doing the DJ thing. Oh, you did? You did? Had a wedding on Saturday. Oh. And the funniest thing is the groom, during the ceremony, because I was doing sound for that also, the, the pastor said something about you know the importance of commitment and communication in marriage. Oh, and he said, the pastor said, you know, this is not going to be easy. He's, it's a charge. Uh, to the couple, it's not going to be easy. You're mm-hmm. going to have to really work hard at this. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the groom fainted. Ah, and I thought it was a joke, <laughs> like like a little shtick, like yeah. oh, you know, how it hard is it going to be? Well, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't it. Mm-hmm. He actually, I guess it was kind of humid out on Saturday. Yeah, and he fell back. He didn't completely lose conscience, but he had to be caught. And they had to give him some water and then, you know, resume. And the pastor's like, I had no idea my words were this powerful. Uh, <laughs> so, wow. in any case, yeah, you got to be careful. I've never seen that. Keep hydrated. I see it in the movies. It does happen. There's actually a song I didn't want to play because it would have been kind of, I don't want to say mean, but there's a song called Don't Falter at the Altar. It, <laughs> it, I think it's like a, it's a, it's a classic from like the 30s or something. Really? I remember, I remember playing it at one wedding because the bride and groom actually asked me to play it. So, in any case, yeah. So I didn't I like play it. That. But uh, anyway, other than that, had some nice time with the kids and nice. enjoyed the weekend. Glad to be back. Is the, the family together? We're back. We're all together. Well, some of us are. Uh, my, my sons go to school in Florida. Yeah. And they had to evacuate for the hurricane. Ooh. And they're safe. We're very thankful. And uh, But other than that, the kids are back. Today's actually their first day of school. Mm-hmm. So that's exciting. I know some people went back last week. Some people will go tomorrow. Uh, brings up a quick point. You've been hearing about the half-price tuition program WFIL has. In a nutshell, there are a number of schools that WFIL is working with that if you're still looking to, you know, and and there are people, I know there are people who just have not nailed down their plans yet. You would think it would be done by now, but it's not always the case. We have a number of schools that say, look, we would love to meet some of your listeners and have them come try our school out. So the the deal is, if you look on our website, WFIL.com, you will see a number of Christian schools in the tri-state area that say, look, come to us this year and we'll give you tuition half off. And then the idea is half off, half off. So, I mean, you're talking thousands of dollars, no matter what the, no matter what the school is, even if their tuition's on the low side to start with, it's still thousands of dollars. Right. So you could benefit by that. And of course the hope is that you'll like it and want to stay, but there's no obligation. You're not signing a two year contract. They didn't raise the price to cut it in half, whatever their published price is. You get it for half if you're a first-time student at that school. Yeah. So that's news you can use. Fair yeah. enough? Yeah. All right. That's so an unbelievable deal. The two ways to get info, WFIL.com, or you can call Carol here at the station. Or even te- send, just send her a quick text, and she'll call you back. 215-805-0075. 215-805-0075. We are looking forward to bringing on a gentleman named Dr. John Kessler. He has written a book. That caught my attention when it came across my desk. It's called Practicing the Present. We'll talk about that later. No, actually, in just a couple minutes. The Neglected Art of Living in the Now. Dr. John Kessler will be joining us. And if you want to win a copy, you're welcome to text in anytime during the hour, and we'll draw some winners at the end of the program. Fair enough? 
The uh, text line for the show is 610-500-DOVE. 610-500-3683. Just text your first and last name and the word PRESENT, and we'll put you in the mix to win a copy of Dr. John Kessler's book, Practicing the Present, which we'll discuss in just a moment here on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. It's 412, the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Hey, Joe, before I forget, tomorrow on the program, I'm very excited because my cousin, Nancy DeMoss Wogelmuth, is going to join our show. Nancy actually used to have a program on our radio station called Revive Our Hearts for a number of years. Really? Yeah. And she and her husband, Robert, have written a book. I'm trying to remember the title of it. You can trust God with your circumstances. I have it running here somewhere. You can trust God to write your story. The two of them have had a very interesting life. And your cousin is on the air. Your brother was on the air. Well, my cousin, Nancy DeMoss, got married about three or four years ago. Her last name is now Wogelmuth, which is not easy to say, but that is her last name. She has a program called Revive Our Hearts, and it has been on WFL for a long time. And uh, not currently, but it has been over the years. So anyhow, she has written books, and she speaks and tours and all that. And so she's going to be joining us tomorrow right at the top of the show for the first half hour with her husband, Robert. That's great. So looking forward to it. It's odd, though, that so many DeMosses got into radio. How did this happen? Got a big family. I don't know how it happened. Well, I can tell you one reason it happened, because when you have – it's just like even following your dad's footsteps. Yeah. Your dad's a carpenter. Sometimes you become a carpenter. Whatever it is, you kind of learn the trade. My brother was a my brother Bob was a radio DJ right here forty years ago. So you but, knowingly followed him. I, yeah, just as a kid brother, yeah. you know stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, so looking forward to that very much. That's but the, cool. Yeah. In the meantime, we have a very special guest right now. I want to bring in in just a second. His name is Doctor John Kessler. The book is called Practicing the Present: The Neglected Art of Living in the Now. And again, if you want to win a copy as we're having our conversation, send me a quick text to six ten five hundred dove six ten five hundred thirty six. 83. All I need is your first and last name and the word present, and I'll know that's the book that you're hoping to get. Let's bring in our guest now, Dr. John Kessler. How you doing? I'm doing great, Tim. Good to talk to you. Yeah, the book, Practicing the Present, we want to chat about today, The Neglected Art of Living in the Now. Uh, the title st- stood out to me for sure. I get all kinds of books that come into the station here, and uh, I'm always thinking about <laughs> who have we had on the show who we're having on to, you know, today? Who's in, on tomorrow next week? So, the title really cut across all all you know the way I'm thinking here. So, uh, right. yeah. So, but so in that way, I, I'd love to pick your brain and, and share you with the audience. So, uh, share a little bit about just about the backstory for the book. You've written a bunch of books. Why this one? And and you know why now? Oh, I think this. Most of my books are really grow out of the issues I'm working through in my own life, and this is maybe a kind of a stage of life book. I, I kind of felt like I'm at that age, at stage of life where you feel like you're you're riding on a road. You're going down a road really fast, and you're running out of road. You know. Yeah. And so I, when I look at my own life, it's kind of like I have spent so much of my life either you know, trying to get into the future, trying to, and trying to make the future happen or else trying to process things that have happened in my past. And then uh, where did the present go in all of that? And so it, it just got me to begin thinking about a biblical framework for understanding 
present in the life of the believer and the importance of living in the present. And so that's really where it came from. For you personally, then, was it was it at least initially on some simple level a way of steadying things as opposed to feeling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. right? Yeah, I, I, I tend to think of my books as sort of self-therapy. You know, so sure. I'm, so I'm, I'm trying to work through issues in a, in a biblically reflective way and process them in my own life. And, and the more I looked at it, the more I realized how we have a bias in Christianity in the way that we look towards the future. I think from a leadership point of view, I you know, I was a pastor, and then I spent my career training other people to be church leaders. In leadership, we automatically tend to have a bias toward the future, where we're really not that interested in what's going on now. We're interested in the next great thing that's going to happen, or in the life of the church often, as people in the congregation, we're often looking backwards. You know, we're kind of remembering a golden age or processing the thing that just happened. And so the way I sort of compare it is, it's like a quiet child in a loud family. The present tends to be overlooked. And of course, the problem with that is that the only context you have for living out your Christian life is in the present. In a way, the past and the future are both sort of shadows. You know, the past is a shadow of what was, and often it's been reconfigured in our own minds. The future is the shadow of what we hope will be, but we're really not certain. We are ever only uh, living out the reality of the present, and if we tend to overlook it, we often miss what God is doing in it. Dr. John Kessler is our guest. The new book is called Practicing the Present, The Neglected Art of Living in the Now. One thing that's interesting about your book you mention is you have a number of chapters here. I guess it's nine or ten. You don't have to actually read them all, like one, then two, then three, sequentially per se. You could actually pick out a chapter you want to start with. Yeah. Uh, and, and and did you just kind of find that that was part of the process of writing? Whenever I talk to an author, I think it's interesting. You may set out, or did you set out knowing where you wanted to go, or did you kind of discover the book as you were writing it? Yeah, I always, I, I have a, I generally have a broad outline. Basically, I have to do that typically to get a publisher to be interested in it. But in terms <laughs> right. of my own, in terms of my own uh, writing style, I actually don't know what I'm going to write until I start writing it. So it really is, it really does become a kind of exploration for me. And in this case, when I was looking at this whole question of the role of the president in the life of the weaver, I ended up sort of looking at it topically. And so I look at it in terms of just the believer in relationship to time. One of the chapters has to do with eating, uh, uh, the role of I mean, there's really nothing more present than the, than our involvement with food, you know, because we have to eat every single day. Right. So really, we're looking at it sort of from different facets, I think. Okay. Well, yeah, and you mentioned, I actually had written a few chapters down just to ask you to elaborate on one of them. I guess it's the living on daily bread chapter you're talking about. Yeah, it's interesting when you start to use sort of food as a lens when you're looking through Scripture, how often... It pops up but in both Testaments, you know, in the Old Testament, of course, with, first of all, isn't it sort of ironic that humanity's fall, you know, comes through the doorway of ordinary eating. And then in the life of Israel, the experience with manna, which teaches both 
God's provision on the one hand that he provides he provides us bread miraculously every day and then also that it's man does not live by bread alone because he doesn't provide it on the Sabbath and there's an element of trust involved and then in the in the law itself how much of the law revolved around patterns of eating and food restrictions and then when you come into the New Testament, you see that so much of Jesus' ministry revolves around the practices of eating. Jesus is criticized because he comes eating and drinking. He embeds in the uh, uh, religious life of the Church, and the worship life of the Church, this one of the two foundational practices of the Church is this ceremony where we remember Jesus' last meal with the disciples before he's crucified, so that so that he's, all of a sudden you see that this thing that we overlook as being really insignificant, you know, I mean, we really don't even think much about it, except maybe in terms of health, becomes very central in the life and practice of the Church. Jesus is eating with his disciples when the Church, after Jesus is resurrected and ascends, and the Church continues continues its ministry. One of the first descriptions of life in the Church is that they that they were eating together. And then, of course, at the very end, you have the great meal, you know, that we're, we're looking forward to, the celebration in, in, in the Kingdom, so that, in one sense, then every meal that we partake now harkens back to this remembrance of Christ, eating with the disciples, and looks forward to the great feast that we will get to celebrate with Christ in his kingdom, so that it really becomes, on a daily basis, uh, a reminder both of God's provision and the fellowship we have with Christ and with one another. Dr. John Kessler is our guest. He's uh, served on the Moody faculty for a quarter century. He's an award-winning author. Bunch of books out, including this brand new one we're chatting about today, Practicing the Present, the Neglected Art of Living in the Now. We'll continue our chat in a second. And a reminder, if you would like to win a copy, send a quick text when you have a second to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. That's our station text line for the program. And all you do is send your first and last name and the word present. We'll know what you're texting about. We'll draw some winners at the end of the program. More coming up. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in today. Our guest is Dr. John Kessler. He has served on the Moody faculty for a quarter century. He's an award-winning author. Newest book is called Practicing the Present, The Neglected Art of Living in the Now. Uh, Before the break there, we were talking about Chapter 4 in your book, Living on Daily Bread. It reminds me just of something I wanted to share with you. I often, when I'm talking with someone who's not a Christian, will try to at least establish some conversation around things that are observable. As opposed to saying the Bible says, which is also true. I could say that also. But if someone doesn't believe what the Bible has to say, then that stuff is not uh, always going to be as effective. Perhaps it's maybe just pointing out something that's kind of indisputable, like we all need to eat and we're all dependent. It doesn't matter who you are, what you believe, right? And uh, I think it's a beautiful thing to to think about the dependency 
that we have, and perhaps how that can point us to the fact that we have a maker who who uh, you know we need to think about and know and and hear what he has to say about stuff. Right. Yeah. So well, it's not only not only dependence on you know it's not only dependence on God who provides the food, but the way He structures it, there's also a communal dimension to it where there's interdependence. Wendell Berry talks a lot about this, that, you know, most of us in in our eating, we don't even know where our food comes from. We sort of feel completely independent of it. We just go to the food store and we, we get the food and we we forget that there is a whole economy, you know, that revolves around. That is, there's a whole community that is responsible for that, that we're part of, not only you know, and the larger scope of the food that's provided for us and the means of production and the kind of food, but, but even, you know, even down to the level of where, where as children we're dependent on our families. I was just thinking today, you know, about Jesus, you know, and, and his relationship to food in his own life. Just like us, you know, just like the rest of us, Jesus was nursed at his mother's breast as an infant. When he was a child, he was dependent on his parents to provide for him. So when he's talking about uh, uh, which of you, if you know, if your if your child will ask for bread, will he give him a stone? He's not just talking theoretically there. He's he's also talking from his own personal experience. And then in his own ministry, you know, Jesus is dependent on others. For he ha- he has this group of disciples that care for his needs. So it talks about the women who cared for his needs. So there is there is this communal this community structure involved in that. And I think it's by God's design. It it is to help us recognize how dependent we are. Dr. John Kessler is our guest. Uh, he is among other things the chair of the pastoral studies department at Moody Bible Institute has served on the faculty there for a quarter century and as an award-winning author, written 13 books, this new one, Practicing the Present and the Neglected Art of Living in the Now, something that came across my desk recently, wanted to have him on because I, I'm, I'm thinking initially someone sees the title of this book, Practicing the Present, and they might just take it as a slowdown book, like I'm too busy <laughs> and how do I just do that? And if that's all it served as, that's great uh, because it's probably a, a you know challenge for a lot of people uh, the, the culture is accelerating, it feels like, and you need to be careful uh, that your days don't just slip by extra fast. Uh, but you, you make that point in the book. It, it, it's more than just saying, okay, let's stop, let's look around, and then proceed or, or move more slowly. Well, I, one of the, there's a meditative practice known as mindfulness, which has become extremely popular today. And it actually doesn't come out of Christianity, it comes out of Buddhism. And while there may be some overlap when it comes to some of the disciplines that people practice, that's not really what I'm talking about. And, and I think the, the main difference is that what I am asking people to, to do is I'm asking them to focus on God. Mindfulness is really more of a self-focus, and often people are trying to achieve a certain state of consciousness. What I'm saying is that, you know, what I want you to do is I want you to develop a habit of looking for God to show up in your own present, in your own present experience. It doesn't mean that you're going to ignore the future. Christians are 
people of hope. They are people whose focus really is toward the future. Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he taught us to pray into the future, pray for the kingdom to come. And I'm also not telling people to forget about the past. Believers have this great tradition. We do have this wonderful past that shapes us. But as I said a little bit ago, as we're living that out, we're always living that out in the present. And so part of that is really an honest assessment, first of all, of the way things really are in my life. I think sometimes we're dwelling on the past or focusing on the future because we're trying to escape the reality of the present. So practicing the present is taking stock of the real landscape of my life in the here and now, expecting God to show up there. That, that's, that's, that's why it's so important, because if I'm always dwelling on the past, we know what? God's moved on. If I'm always sort of trying to anticipate the future, well, I'm not there yet. God will be there when you get there, but God is working in your life, in your circumstances, whatever they may be like right now. It's a, it's a way of seeing the world around me so that I am conscious of God. Yeah, that's that's well said. Well said, and I think it, you almost, as you're speaking, the the phrase uh, like an undiscovered life or something comes to mind for me to think uh, how much, you know, I'm, I'm married, five kids and a lot going on and kids in college and I have a daughter who's disabled and there's all these different things and, um, and kids in sports and music mm-hmm. and all the other responsibilities of life. So I do find myself ricocheting all over the place front and back and still working busy in the moment. But the idea of curbing that and thinking about what God could be up to this minute and, and in this next hour and in this space that I'm in, I want, I guess I want to ask you if you think people think they're living in the present, but really they're not. I actually don't think people think about the present. Most, most people, you know, that we're, I really do think that uh, the majority of us are either fixated on the past, either in a positive way that it's something we're fond of and we're trying to get back to, or uh, for many of us, it's been traumatic and we're, and we're dwelling on it because in some sense, we're actually trying to fix it. You know, we're, if we, we could go back and, and, and I, I'm speaking from experience, personal experience, I grew up in a dysfunctional home as you know, alcoholic parents. And I, I think it's easy to, to just really kind of mold that over because you're trying to repair it. Or we think that the best years are in front of us. The best moments are in front of us, you know, and so we're anxious to rush into the future or to, to stage it. And, we actually, I think, just sort of ignore the present. We, you know, we just, it's just kind of to us an empty landscape that we're moving through. Hmm. So we're thinking about God, what he did in the past. We're thinking about what God is doing, going to do for us in the future. It's like he's in the room and we don't even notice him, you know, because <laughs> right. we just, we just brush by him. That is one of the reasons there, there are some disciplines that have been helpful. Right in helping us to sort of rein in our attention, you know, disciplines of solitude and silence, for example. But it's also because we tend to be uh, uh, sort of rushing into the future uh, or dwell or, or fixate in the past, 
they, they become difficult to practice. Dr. John Kessler is our guest. He's author of the new book, Practicing the Present, The Neglected Art of Living in the Now. He's an award-winning author, also served on the Moody faculty for a quarter century, and glad to have our conversation happening today. We'll continue that in a moment. If you want to win a copy of the book, text me at 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. Just need your first and last name and the word present, and we'll put you in the running for that. Again, 610 500 3683. Sunny, a high of 86 the rest of the afternoon. Cleared night low, 67. Tomorrow, some sun for a while, then getting cloudy, maybe a shower or two, or a thunder shower later in the day tomorrow, and a high up to 90. Phil's won 7 1 over Cincinnati yesterday. Reese Hoskins, a couple of homers, and got 27 on the year now. Bryce Harper, number 30 on the year, and Scott Kingery hit a homer, too. Drew Smiley got the win. They play at Cincinnati again tonight at 640. 26 games to go. Two and a half games out of the wild card playoff spot. We'll see if they can make that happen. Back with more of the Tim DeMoss Show in just a moment. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 439, the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Don't forget, you're welcome to help yourself to the podcast of this program at WFIL.com. Anytime that you like, you usually have it up and running within an hour of the broadcast being complete, whether it's today or another day. If you want to thumb through them, you're welcome to do that as well. I've had some fun guests over the years and or over the year, I should say, and uh, we're looking forward to having more. But right now, we're looking forward to continuing our conversation. Dr. John Kessler is our guest. The book is called Practicing the Present, The Neglected Art of Living in the Now. Just uh, to paint a picture for folks listening in, we get lots of books that come through and a lot of good topics, it looks like, and uh, an interesting thing. Sometimes the, the, there are certain areas that there's just a ton of material on. But uh, every now and again, a, a book will come through that kind of catches my eye for whatever reason. It might be just a little bit different than the rest. And this was one of them. Just the idea of practicing the present because life is busy. We're all busy. Our minds are thinking about stuff that happened before, things where we're headed. You got to plan some. And living in this very second technically is just a second of, of your time. And then, you know, now that's past and you're whatever. So uh, it's a kind of a moving, a moving treadmill, if you will. Hopefully, not a treadmill. Hopefully, it's a, a nice path. But the idea being practicing the present, what's involved in that? And uh, these nine chapters in this book, Dr. Kessler, it's interesting because they're all separate. You can read one, then read chapter six, and then read chapter four, whatever order you want to. Chapter nine, Disciplines for Living in the Present Tense. Uh, maybe you could just share, uh, you know, one or two that come to mind as far as, uh, you know, disciplines. Like, what can people actually do to help practice the present? I think solitude and silence often are combined, you know, and a lot of people, of course, have written about spiritual disciplines, and so I'm not I'm not trying to reproduce that. But I think if you can just take a few moments in the, the space that you're in, wherever it is, you don't you don't have to go off into a cave somewhere, you know, or someplace really exotic. But you're you know you're sitting in your chair, you're in in this familiar room, and you just pause and. Bring your attention to the present, to take stock of where you are, how you feel, what the room looks like, then to take note of the fact that wherever you are, whatever you're feeling like, God is there too, Mm -hmm. because God is omnipresent. God is 
present in that moment with you and to just become aware of it, you know. And I, and I think the more you become aware of it, the more you take stock of it. And, of course, then some, some people can do that. Most of us can't just, just do that for any great length of time without either getting bored or agitated. But the more we habituate our thinking to the reality of God's presence and take note of Him, you know, then, then the more likely we are both to have a sense of the way He may be moving in our hearts, speaking to us, working in our circumstances. I, I really do think a lot of it is that we're just not noticing that God is uh, present and active, but we're just so sort of rushing through that or so fixated on something that's happened in the past, we just don't take note of him. When we begin to take note of him, you know, then we begin to, first of all, experience the comfort of his presence. And I think then the, even the most mundane, the most boring aspect of the present, because frankly, that's another reason the past is more interesting, the future's often more interesting, you know, the present is just now, like I'm working at my computer or I'm doing my job or, you know, whatever I'm doing, that that doesn't seem really interesting until I realize that God's there, you know, that sanctifies it for me. I'm not saying that, you know, once you become aware of the present, you know, that all your pain will go away and, you know, everything will become blissful and it'll just all be rainbows and unicorns. I'm not saying that. And, you know, I, I do think that one of the challenges of practicing the present is is practicing the present in a context when things are difficult for us, when I'm in physical pain, when I am suffered from illness, when the circumstances of my life begin to collapse around me. You know, I'm having trouble in my marriage or in my job or in my church. And, and I would really like to escape that. And I, I think the thing I would say to, you know, people who are, who are moving through that space that you only you only have the present to live through. That is the context. That you know that messy, uncomfortable uh, uh, life situation that you're facing right now. That is the context where God is working in your life, and you will meet Him there. He will work on your behalf there. I'm not saying that it will be comfortable for you, but you will meet Him there. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I, I think people who really suffer. Uh, often have a leg up when it comes to practicing the present because they have no choice because all of a sudden the present just intrudes in their experience and they can't escape it. Which I with Dr. John Kessler. He's author of the new book, Practicing the Present, The Neglected Art of Living in the Now. That uh, famous line from Winnie the Pooh comes to mind in a different way, or I think it's Piglet who says something to Pooh and Pooh's like, what do you want? And, or, you know, yes, Piglet. And he says nothing. I just wanted to be sure of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? By the way, one of my favorite, one of my favorite authors, A. Mellon. So. <laughs> well, God's not God's not poo, but he's he's a lot more he has a lot more ability to to reassure us. But just that notion you're saying of taking stock, I think if I guess if we do that, that also preempts things happening such as worry and fear. You're probably le- a lot less likely to project and start thinking about things that haven't happened yet and probably won't ever happen. Uh, or, you know, or if they do happen, God will be there at that moment, as, as you said. You know, it's not magical. I, I do think, you know, it's not like, oh, if you learn to practice the present, you won't, you won't ever worry. But, but 
once you begin to recognize the reality of God's presence in your difficult circumstances, you have some some place to put your worry. You know, then you find that you can cast your cares. In fact, I, I think you know. I, I sometimes want to hear the way we talk about worry. There's this sort of assumption that oh, real Christians don't worry. You know, there are too many reassurances in Scripture for that to be true. I think Christians worry all the time, and God God knows that. And so, one of the things, one of the blessings of recognizing the reality of His presence is that I have something to do with that. You know, I have a place to put it. Absolutely. You know, and well, and you would know. Uh, one of the chapters in the Take No Thought chapter, he talked about being diagnosed with cancer, and share about, yeah. you know, share about that if you would. Well, you know, I when I was um, when I was a young person, it was one of the things that drove me to uh, faith in Christ. I I was obsessively afraid of dying, and I when I was very little, you know, I was I was like I didn't even want to go to sleep at night. I was so worried about it. When I came to know Christ. I, I had this uh, this great burden relief from me, you know, because I had the certainty of eternal life. Then when I got into uh, uh, middle age, I felt I found that fear started to sort of creep back into my life as I got older. And then I was diagnosed with uh, a form of cancer, a treatable form of cancer. But still, um, still it, that word. But it was it, what happened was it, it brought that you know it brought all of that that fear rushing back to me, and then when the when the treatment seemed to work, it didn't make it any better. I, for a little while it did, and then I, but then I kept thinking, well, what if it comes back? What if the next time I get a blood test, it's it's bad news? That that's when I really uh, that was actually part of the landscape that that caused me to start thinking about this. And, you know, that it, it does drive you then really into the arms of Christ. And, uh, you know, you really do then have to, you know, most of the things we worry about don't ever happen. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. even of the things that do happen, what we find is we don't cope with them the way we thought we would. You know, it's amazing how people adjust to the most extreme difficulties that come into their life. And then for the Christian, it's not just a matter of coping with circumstances. For the Christian, it's the reality of God's presence, uh, the reality of the indwelling of Christ, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that complete, that transforms the landscape. And and really, again, practicing the present, it's not like sort of, you know, this magical method of making all the bad things go away. Like, it's not that at all. But it is a matter of opening your eyes to see the reality of God in your life, at work, in the most ordinary or most difficult uh, uh, circumstances you might face. Dr. John Kessler is our guest. The book's called Practicing the Present, The Neglected Art of Living in the Now. We're giving copies away. If you'd like to throw your name in the hat for that, send a quick text to 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-DOVE, D-O-V-E, which translates to 3683. All I need, your first and last name and the word present, and we'll know that's what you're hoping to win. 610-500-3683 for your opportunity to win a copy of Dr. John Kessler's book, Practicing the Present, the Neglected Art of Living in the Now. We'll wrap up our chat with Dr. Kessler here in just a moment. AM 560 WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, also on WFIL.com. 
Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. But we hope that this program is a help and a blessing in a lot of different ways. The top way we like to mention every now and again is to point people to the Lord. Sometimes it just has some fun info or do some contesting as part of that as well. But we hope that you are blessed as you listen in. And again, the podcast available at WFIL.com uh, anytime you want to help yourself. We uh, have had on and continue our chat here as we wrap things up with Dr. John Kessler. He has worked on the Moody faculty for 25 years and served there and as an award-winning author, including this new book, Practicing the Present, we've been chatting about the neglected art of living in the now. Maybe share one thought, whether you reiterate what you've something you've said or something new about what the what, you know what the present is and what it isn't. Uh, practicing the present, that that art we're talking about here, living yeah. in the now. Well, first of all, practicing the present is not denial of the past. It's it's not saying you know all things are. Or denial of the present either. You know, it's not saying like, oh, whatever that was that that you're dwelling on didn't happen to you, or that you just sort of erase the past. It's not that. Neither is practicing the present. Just saying we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna forget about the future. We're not gonna make plans for the future. It is a way, I think, of reining in our wandering attention. So that we can dwell, that we can dwell on the reality of God's presence in the here and now, in a way that will enable us to process the past. Because really, if you think about it, the present is where all the things that happened in the past come to rest, and also so that we can set the stage for the future, which is the place that God is taking us to. But when we see what that future looks like, it's really a succession of presents. Right, right, right. We are always only living in the present, with, and that's the only context in which God works in our lives. So that's really what I'm talking about. That's good, and and it kind of to your point a second ago, there's a difference between living in the moment and living for the moment. You're not saying that's correct. That's correct. <laughs> so, yeah. and there's a big difference there. Yeah, good deal. Good deal. Well, thank you for taking time, uh, Dr. John Kessler, been our guest, practicing the present, the new book, the neglected art of living in the now, and. How are you doing at this so far? <laughs> at this, at well, your you own know, book? Not, I, yeah, I'm not writing it. I didn't write it. I think, and I think I said it. I, I didn't write it as like a um, somebody who's mastered the art. You know, I'm, yeah. Just like everybody else, you know, it's something that you're constantly working on. It. I did actually. I actually retired this year from the faculty, and so in a, in a way, it even you know increases the opportunity because I. Uh, you know, it, it sort of forces me to <laughs> to live in the here and now. Yeah. Um, you know, so I'm uh, I, I continue to be blessed by the constant reminder of God's presence in my life. So it's it's still important and valuable to me to practice the present. They're, they're excellent words, and the notion of 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 being aware of God's that He's just He's there throughout, uh, little by yeah. little. That, that awareness alone to me is worth the price of the book in the sense that if, if uh, you really lived that way rather than God, maybe at the beginning of your day or at the end of your day or at a mealtime or even here and there, but to have his, the awareness of his presence really every minute, every set, every set of yeah. few minutes, yeah. everything, yeah. whatever, wherever you find yourself, 
That's super valuable. Yeah. And he will help you to process the past, and he will carry you into the present, into the future, rather. That's all in, you know, all in the here and now. So. Amen. Well, thank you for taking time and uh, from the great great state of Indiana. Is that where you're checking yeah, in from? Yeah. I live in. Uh, I now live in uh, Michigan, in Huntington, Michigan, and, and uh, I'm thrilled to be on the air in Philadelphia. My wife and I spent some time there when I was in seminary, and of course, you can't get a decent sheet. Oh really? Anywhere else? So. <laughs> That's neat. Uh, wait, wait, can I ask which seminary you went went to? Yeah, we went. Uh, I attended typical theological seminary. Did you? Uh, okay. Uh, and they've they've yeah. changed her name since. I think the Missio or something. Yeah. Right. Yeah, recently. Yeah, yeah. And actually, just moved into the city itself. That's right. Uh, we're out in Hatfield. So. Uh-huh. Oh neat. So we have a lot of great memories. So. That's great. Well, so now did you spend most of your time? If you had to, like, a, I don't know if you're a sports fan, like a, a Colts, Indianapolis Colts fan, or Pacers fan, or are you, or are you? Uh... No, we're we're. I'm afraid we're stuck in a, a Detroit Tigers fan, and uh, <laughs> this year's not a good year to do that. Well, pr- <laughs> Terrible. Need to write a book on suffering. Next. Yeah, correct. Right. <laughs> and prayer. Yeah, you know, it's, called, it's called the surprising grace of disappointment, and the Detroit Tigers have been a continual disappointment. <laughs> Me, there's always next year. Yeah. That's correct. That's well, that's, that, you know, that's a staple for Detroit fans in general. <laughs> yeah. They've had some good teams. They, their Red Wings, you know, beat the Flyers in the yeah, 97 yeah, Cup. Right. So right. That's not, it's not fair. You're right. Exactly. Fo- right. Football, right. though, yes, you're right. I think they're yeah. they're one of the few teams that haven't won a Super Bowl. At some I point. know they're legendary about that. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm rubbing it in at the end here, but I, we finally Eagles finally got one, you know, not too yeah. long ago. So anyway, yeah. good deal. Well, thanks again for All taking right. time. Have a great rest of your day. All right, thank you. All right, bye bye. Doctor John Kessler will draw winners of his book "Practicing the Present" off the air. In the meantime, Jim Maxim, Acts four thirteen Ministries, leads in prayer next. Thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful night. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.